You're listening to the Military Homeschool Podcast. The Military Homeschool Podcast aims to equip and encourage parents by covering topics relevant to military homeschooling families. Tune in each week for tips and advice from someone who's been there as a military wife and homeschooling mom. You'll also hear inspiring stories and informative guest interviews with experienced military homeschoolers and experts in the educational field. The Military Homeschool Podcast is a broadcast of the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. A special thanks to the sponsor of today's episode, Upper Iowa University. A quality education is affordable and flexible at Upper Iowa University. Serving the military community with online associate, bachelor's, and master's degrees for more than two decades, Upper Iowa University offers tuition grants for service members, spouses, and dependents of all branches of the military. UIU students work one-on-one with an advisor, and classes are taught by expert faculty. Learn more by visiting uiu.edu slash homeschool. Hey friends, welcome to the Military Homeschool Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Niehoff. Thanks so much for listening in. Today, we're going to talk about homeschooling a child with unique needs, whatever those are, remedial, gifted, and everything in between. And joining me to share her expertise on this subject is Felice Gerwitz. Welcome, Felice. Hey, Crystal. It's wonderful to be here with you today. And uh, this is such a good topic. And it's something that is near and dear to my heart um, because of my homeschool situation. So I'm just really happy to be here today. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And, you know, many parents feel intimidated by homeschooling a child with unique learning needs. So this is such an important topic. Would you start us off by telling us a bit about yourself and your educational background? Sure. Um, I started out with a degree in elementary ed, uh, learning disabilities, which is what it was called in those days, uh, specific learning disabilities, and early childhood education. So basically, my degree allowed me to teach K through 12. And so um, I was um, first in an elementary school, and then I spent uh, one year, it was all I lasted in the school system <laughs> before I caused trouble, uh, no surprise. Um, and I taught sixth, seventh, and eighth graders and realized quickly that some of the kids were misstaffed, and that's how I got myself in trouble. So I was getting them staffed out. Um, and also that, in uh, again, in, in this particular school, it was very unique in that it had a full-time classroom for the children. So it was almost like you're in middle school, but you're teaching every subject to a diverse group of kids who are on different learning levels. So it was, you know, a nightmare um, as a newly married woman, uh, you know, dealing with this, but I take everything, you know, 110, you know, percent, And so I realized quickly that the way the school system was set up was not going to help children in particular, especially when they were full time. So I had also been in another classroom the year before that had been um, actually that was my second year teaching. So um, I I was in a, a 
classroom that was more of a resource. And that worked better because then you had a child who maybe had a weakness in reading or another child who had a weakness in math, and you worked and remediated in just those areas. But the way they taught us to teach was to work through their strengths. They never taught us how to fix a weakness. And so I realized the big fallacy in that and asked my college professors at the time, and basically they said, you know, at this point, we don't really have the resources to do it. We had some really interesting um, things, like I had a projector that would shoot out um, different words, like it would almost flash it. And if you, you know, like now I, I sometimes have migraines and I'm like wondering how it didn't just trigger a migraine, but it would flash words so that the kids could see it quickly. And then it would go away just to try to get it to be embedded and just like some different techniques. So it was kind of interesting, um, in that first resource school area, the second school was actually where I live currently and in Fort Myers, and it we had an entire department. Um, there was a lot of funding back then, and I think that was one of the reasons kids were filtered into that. Um, and it was I brought in a ton of hands-on resources to work with the children, um, doing different things and. Uh, that worked to some extent, but it really prepared me for my own children. So I had um, my oldest has a form of Down syndrome, which is very small percentage of his cells. So, I, you know, he was just slower. He didn't really have a like a, a, a dyslexia or, you know, anything that went on like he can spell amazing. Um, he reads, you know, really well. It was just some of his processing was slower. Uh, my my second oldest had, um, you know, probably she was somewhat dyslexic. Um, you know, reading was an issue for her. Math, she's a genius. Um, the third child um, was more of an auditory processing. So it's the kid that you tell him something and, you know, he either gets upset with you because of, of what he thinks you said or he forgets a series of instructions you know, and more visually stronger than auditorily. Um, number four child also um, had, uh, you know, form of dyslexia. That child didn't read until she was, I would, when I say read, I don't mean hacking out words. I mean, reading proficiently. So I would say she was, number two child was 12 years old. She was 14. Second child went to college, uh, graduated magnum sum laude, Fourth child with dyslexia went to college, not only graduated, sum laude, isn't that the top one? <laughs> Which is the one that's the toppest one. I don't know. I, I think that's so. it. I, I think can't so. Remember. And she also got her master's degree um, in education. So she's a history major, got a master's degree in education, uh, sum laude too. She got 4.0 and she's teaching now. So, and then the fifth child was gifted. So I had the range. I had just kids who were slower. I had, you know, I would say that they were like, we always call it mixed with the, you know, genius, but maybe lagging in one area. So it was uh, at some points, I'm going to say it was really frustrating. Like it wore. So moms, if you're out there and you have any one or two or multiples, I really know how you feel. And I, I homeschooled for a long period of time. There really, there was a little bit of a break when, you know, my two oldest were older and then I was starting all over again. 
with the youngest three, but I felt like at one point, Crystal, it was like, I just want to be done. You know, I just can't, I, I do not, like I, I said to Christina before she left home, that was my second oldest. You cannot leave until you teach Nicholas to read. <laughs> I couldn't imagine starting all over again with the reading. And we did the hundred easy lessons and Nicholas said, mom, those are, it's misnamed. It needs to be a hundred really hard, hard, hard lessons <laughs> because for him, the auditory part of it was he wasn't getting it, you know? And so, um, you know, so one of the things we did was we did a lot of practicing. I did a lot of flashcards. I did a lot of games, games that were things like matching shapes. You can go um, into a Walmart or a Target and get any kind of, you know, probably even CVS or any of those stores has the card games or hop on Amazon, but just kind of like any kind of thinking card games where there's a lot of um, matching and there's time involved because then you have to get faster. And I'm not just talking about like matching. You might start like that, you know, matching the blue with the blue, but they're more of a shape and, you know, like a, some of them are really intricate. And so like those kinds of things, you know, we found out really helped um, the child not only process quicker because some of it's like, it, it goes so slow. And if you've ever sat with a struggling reader you know, it can put you to sleep. <laughs> I remember thinking, <laughs> I've got to stay awake here. Um, you know, it doesn't help when you're on the floor on a beanbag, you know, nice and all comfy up <laughs> after lunch. Yeah, not not a good thing. Um, but, you know, it it's it takes a lot of practice and a lot of, you know, thinking outside of the box to work with a child, um, you know, that that does fit into some of the categories. And the first two were actually tested. Um, I had psychological evaluations done and the next three, I did not. I had some testing done just to put them into, um, you know, like a remediation program we were using, but that was all brain training. So I think that, you know, if I had to say one thing that would work, even if you have a gifted child is brain training. You know, um, my gifted child was saying um, to me the other day, he goes, you know, I wish I had done more with like visual training, you know, because sometimes or even like, a, you know, he's he's a, he's a little bit spacey sometimes, you know, and but, you know, when you're so smart, it kind of you make up for stuff. And he was my least, you know, problem child as far as academically, you know, like he was the kid that you had to say you were only doing one math book this year, or, you know, he's a child who was in college and said, you know, could you get me a trig book? I really, you know, I, he took out al, um, algebra two, but he didn't really get the trig part of it. I mean, who does that? Who says, order me a book mom for the summer? You know, you, want to say, <laughs> you know, I know I wouldn't have said that to my mother, but, um, so I guess that kind of gives you a little bit of a background of the diversity I had in homeschooling was not boring. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I love how you mentioned that you had a mix. You know, whenever someone mentions the topic of homeschooling special needs, I usually think of like autism, dyslexia, but you had mentioned, you know, gifted and Down syndrome. What circumstances or diagnosis would you place into the special needs or like I like to say unique needs category like because... It just seems like it's not speaking down to anyone, right. but it's 
we're all unique. You know, I had a son that uh, he had some medical needs. And so he was, he wasn't what you might traditionally call learning disabled, but it, there were some times where it took a little bit longer, but that was because of his medical needs at the time. So I just felt, always told him he was unique. And I love that. Yeah. That's, you know, so what would you say that you could use this type of homeschooling for, you know, at what circumstances or diagnoses? I think, you know, for me, especially because I have a background in, in testing. So that was like, they gave us the psychological exams and said, here you go, you know, go practice them on people, you know, so my poor brothers had to take psych evaluations with their sister doing it. And, you know, going, oh, your IQ's bit, you know, they were both gifted, but it was like, you know, teasing him about the youngest brother being smarter than the older one by, you know, 13 months, um, which only a older sibling can torture their brothers about. But I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, can you believe they gave us the psychological evaluation tests and said here? Um, so I was fascinated by that and probably would have done more with that aspect of it. Um, but I liked to be around the kids, you know, and not just sit there and have, be in a test situation. But it I was fascinating to me. But I also found that it depended on how that kid was during that day and that period of time. Neil, poor thing, was, you know, he just was speech delayed and he just was slower at everything. So we didn't even know that he had any downs till he was four and a half. And I took him to get um, blood evaluation because a pediatrician, he doesn't outwardly look like, you know, a, a tip, what you would typically think of with a, a child who has Down syndrome. And it was only in 1% of his cells at four, but those cells don't replicate. So we don't know at birth what percentage it was. So, I mean, he's perfectly normal. And he also tested within the normal range, except for the one evaluation they gave him, which was sign language. The child did not know sign language. So he tested it at 40 IQ. Of course, I fell apart as a parent thinking, oh my gosh, my child has a 40 IQ until I just sat there a second and thought about it. And that's why I went and had another psychological evaluation done where he was, you know, close to average. So, you know, there's always a 10 points either way, uh, you know, hundred is considered average. So anywhere from 90 to 110 would be in the, in the average range, anything over 130. I don't know what it is now, but like 130, 135 is in the gifted range. So again, you're, you know, depending on what the test is. So even if you've had a psychological evaluation and you're not happy with the results and you see your child is not a 40 IQ, you know, I mean, he's functioning. We had a computer and he's like going around me remembering that, you know, function seven does this and like stuff's printing. And I'm like going, whoa, 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 you know, you know, your kid. And so that's what the first thing I would say is parents, you know, your child better than anyone else does. And especially if you do have that opportunity to homeschool, then you have that opportunity to be there with them. Secondly, um, the way that you fix any, well, I'm not really answering your question. Autis autism is such a broad a broad term now, and it can mean anything from a child who wants to be in isolation to a child who's you know, self-harming. So that category is always considered under the umbrella of, you know, learns differently. Okay. Or what, what did you call it? It's like a <laughs> unique, unique. I like that. Okay. So unique. 
a unique child. If I could, oh, and I'm sorry, I did not mean to interrupt, but if I could just enter what you were saying about how each of your children had different or unique ways of learning or, and then you talked about the one that had um, the, uh, was tested in at a 40, you know, and you didn't believe that he had, that he was in a, you know, came in at a 40 because of all the things he could do. And that reminded me of my son that I had talked about. He's adopted and he, he was adopted after being uh, very badly abused as a baby suffering um, uh, shaken baby syndrome and you know, a lot of other things. Uh, he came to live with us as a foster child when he was just five months old. And I determined then one that I was going to adopt him <laughs> eventually and two that I was never going to let him know that anybody thought that he was going to be delayed or have any issues. And everybody kept warning me, you know, he's going to be delayed. He's going to have issues. There was even one point where they thought he might end up a vegetable. He's none of those things, but I determined, and that was 18, almost 18 years ago. I determined that I wasn't going to let him think that he's got a label. I wanted the world open to him. And that's why I started calling it unique is because I, I feel he's unique and he's special to me, just like any child is is special to mom and dad. But, um, I, one reason we choose to homeschool is because there's no label on him. He can achieve whatever he wants to achieve, whatever, there's nothing to hold him back and say he can't reach a goal, you know, but if he doesn't achieve that, I also determined early on that that wasn't going to make me look negatively at him either. You know, I love that. I just, that just kind of touched me. That that's the one who has down. So, you know, so, and I even hate to tell people that because we didn't even find out till he was four and we never treated him any differently either. And I think God kind of protected us in a way because I, don't you think sometimes when you hear, you know, your child, especially like medical, I think too, you know, cause we do, we want to protect our kids. I think that you as a parent can make that determination. Plus in a psychological class I had, there was a study done where teachers were told that the class coming in was slower. And then another class, you know, the parent, the teachers were told, oh, this whole class is gifted. Well, can you, and, and actually it wasn't that way at all. And so the kids who were treated like they were slower had had worse test scores than the kids who were not gifted and treated like they were gifted. And so it's a lot of that is true. It's on your expectation. So the way you 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 teach a child who's struggling is that you have to work right underneath their frustration level. So in other words, I would I said this 100 times and they told me I needed a T-shirt with it on. I would say. If it's easy, and then they would finish my sentence. So if it's easy, I already know it. If it's hard, that means I don't know it yet. So they would say it's too hard. And I would say, which means you don't know it yet. So uh, a lot of what we do, uh, a lot of what I do is self-preservation because you can only listen to the stuff like 3,000 times before it drives you nuts. (laughs) But, But, you know, like I always tell you know, people who are struggling, my husband and I work with um, the newly engaged. And I always say things like have a ready 
statement. Like when you, this, if this is going to trigger you, know what you're going to say, because it's like the, are we there yet? You know, and I, you would say yes in 20 more hours. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know, let's count down. I used to make the kids a map, you know, like a printed map and they could just start, you know, you know, where are we mom? And I would tell them and they would put it on their map so that they could physically see where we were going. And, you know, it's, it's funny because it's like people are, well, how are you so creative? No, what it is, is I have a very low threshold of the things that would bother me if I allowed them to. So I come up with these things just as a self-preservation. So when you hear a child say it's too hard, you know, then you can say that's because you haven't learned it yet. And then, you know, and then, you know, at some point they shake their head and say, oh, here she goes again. But it's true. And it, it, the curriculum is not as important. Like we did eye training with some of my children, you know, that there are actually lenses that you can flip and that will strengthen your eye muscles. My husband had eye training. Um, some of doctors, eye doctors will do it. And everything, unfortunately, is so expensive. I know some states have programs for children um, that are uniquely different, but you do have to have them tested and they, that information will be in the system, but they will give you money toward that if if that's what you want to do. So there are eye doctors that can do vision training, and that's mostly for children who you know might have the reversals. One of the things that cures reversals is never teaching them to print, and that's just working in cursive. So there's Writing Without Tears, which is a wonderful program, and that has a lot of, you know, um, it's like an in-between of the cursive and the, and the script. And so they say, if you're doing cursive writing, there's no way you can do it backwards. It's too, it's, you know, you're teaching them to make a B or you're teaching them to make a D. Um, I was working with my grandkids. We went to the beach for two weeks. You know, it rains in Florida. So we had like some down times and I was working with one of my grandchildren and all I had, I was watching how she was forming her letters. And all I had to say is just start at the top. And when she started at the top, she could remember that which way the D went, which way the B went, you know, just different things that, you know, salt boxes, um, you take a, you know, old shoe box or a box, throw in a black piece of construction paper, dump in a box of salt, and then have the kids practice their letters in the salt. It's that tactile. So it's like getting the information in. If there's a problem, you don't do this, you know, like for everything, but if you see there's a problem, oh, we're having trouble with our B's and D's, you know, let's try to do it in salt. Um, does it make a mess? Yes, you know, but right. it's salt. So it's not like sugar. Um, you know, clay, working with clay with the little kids, getting their hands strong. You know, um, a lot of times they're sitting with their little tablets. So what are they doing? Their thumbs are getting stronger and that's about it. And so, you know, going back to, you know, again, all of the messy things like the finger painting and, you know, the, the salt boxes and the clay, all of those things have a purpose and their purpose is to get their hands stronger so that when they do, you know, have a pencil. And so I still have one of these little uh, grippers that you can put on a pencil and that's how, and it, there's even a little arrow. So it 
shows kids how to grip a pencil. Because if they grip it incorrectly, it hurts their hand. No matter what their age, you can start them with these card games. I was talking about it. Um, I think one of them is called uh, Snap. There's a lot of different card game names, and I will get you those. Crystal, I don't have them right now, so you can put them in your show notes. Friends, thank you so much for joining us today. This is part one of a two-part episode about homeschooling a child with unique needs. Please be sure to tune in next week as we continue our discussion on this important topic. You can read my show notes at militaryhomeschoolpodcast.com, where I'll link to everything Felice mentioned today. And please be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast listening app so you don't miss a single episode. I'll be back next week for another episode of the Military Homeschool Podcast. Have a blessed week. Thanks for listening in today. Be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. If you liked this podcast, please take a moment to give it a five-star rating and leave a comment. Links to the resources mentioned during the show today can be found in our show notes at militaryhomeschoolpodcast.com. Connect on Facebook at Military Homeschool Podcast or via email at militaryhomeschoolpodcast at gmail.com.